Our Lord cares. He knows where you're at. And you may think, oh, he's too busy. No, you can go right to him anytime and tell him your needs. He's compassionate and he acts on that compassion. And as I think about Jesus, he said, you can't live on bread alone, but rather every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There are people all through Portland, maybe you, who are trying to just live on bread alone. Your paycheck and the profits and the dividends and you know stuff you can buy with it and food, the best food, the best drink, the best stuff. We're not really designed to live that way. Uh, we're not merely animals. We're created for relationship with Him. And you'll never be satisfied if you try to just satisfy yourself with this stuff down here. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Our Adequacy is from Him. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. I want to start at verse 13, right where we left off. It would be two weeks ago now. Uh, when, they heard, when they heard it, they, he withdrew, or excuse me, when Jesus heard it, when he heard what? Well, you, you ought to read the context. Verse 12, his disciples came and took away the body. John the Baptist's disciples came and took away his headless body. We left off with this gruesome scene where Herod the king gave this huge birthday party for himself. And it was more than just a party. It was gross in every way. And he foolishly offered this gal that danced for him anything she wanted. And she craftily asked for the head of John the Baptist. And he offered it to her, gave it to her on a platter. This is a kind of sick scene that this man of God, John the Baptist, ended his life. And uh, we talked about that because... Uh, I said, that was John's end. But then I corrected myself, it wasn't John's end. John has been a couple thousand years already in the presence of the Lord. But it is a very sad scene. Humanly, they came, his disciples, John's disciples, and took away his headless body and buried it. And then they went and reported to Jesus. And then when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place by himself. Jesus is fully God. And we're going to see that. And he is fully man. He's man the way man was meant to be. And this is, a, this is devastating news. His cousin, we might say, John the Baptist, which he was, but this man of God has been slaughtered in this pointless butchery. And when Jesus heard it, he withdrew to a lonely place. And, uh, you know, there's human sadness when you see something like this happen. We're seeing headlines today of beheadings. And uh, though we can know that if a believer is killed for Jesus' sake, uh, every believer who has put their faith, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you die, whether it's a car accident or cancer or persecution, you can know from Scripture that you go right into the presence of the Lord. There's victory in that, but still just the same. It's, it, it, 
shudders you, so to speak, when uh, you read of a scene or if you are close to a scene where believers, they tell me, you know, we're ministering in Nigeria, um, the Romans Project that many of you are supporting and praying for, and we have well over a thousand pastors in Nigeria participating. And, uh, but last year, 4,000 Nigerians in Nigeria alone were killed because they follow Christ. 198 churches were burned or targeted in other ways. Uh, 2.1 million Nigerians were displaced within the country because of Boko Haram and the kinds of things that are going on in our world. So this is, the world hasn't changed much, is what I'm telling you. But Jesus wanted to get away to a lonely place, and he withdrew from there. And it wasn't just for his sake. Uh, there is a real need for that, though, as people. We need, we need to regroup at times. We need some space. And it wasn't just for Jesus' sake. I'm going to refer, and if you, have, if you want to turn to the parallel text over in Mark 6, because, as I said, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John all give this account. In Mark 6, we're told a, another detail of this. When they came and told Jesus, he said to them, to the guys that, you know, his disciples, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. I'm reading Mark 6, 31. For there were so many people coming and going that they didn't even have time to eat. That's the scene. Jesus was so busy ministering that people were coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat, Mark tells us. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Just get a little space. Some of you are, are uh, in life right now. You just need to be away from people. People are just tugging at you. Others of us, maybe tasks are tugging at us. Maybe because of the snow days or whatever, the emails have piled up. Whatever it is, our Lord is a sympathetic high priest, the Bible says. He knows what you're going through. He's been there. He's a real man, even as he is God, and he's going to demonstrate it here. So I don't want to miss that because he wanted to get away, and he got in the boat, went across the sea, and when he came out, verse 14, uh, well, I should read verse 13. The multitudes heard of this. They followed him on foot from the cities. And when he came out, he saw a great multitude and felt, look at verse 14, not irritation, not resentment, not frustration. He felt compassion. That's our Savior. That's the man the way man was meant to be. This is the Lord Jesus himself. And though he needed some space and his disciples needed some space, they had so many people coming and going, they couldn't even eat. When he got there, <laughs> there's a multitude waiting. And his to-do list, you might say, was still, it got bigger even. But he felt compassion. And he acted on that compassion. And that's really the lion's share of this uh, paragraph. Uh, he felt compassion and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, after a long day, when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, hey, the place is desolate. Uh, the time has already passed. There's no time to go to any restaurants. You know, you know, you just put yourself in their place. It's late. Send them home so that they might go into the villages and maybe they can buy some food. 
for themselves. I mean, it's a common sense advice and natural. Uh, the disciples said, Lord, uh, it's getting late. These people are hungry. We can't do anything about it. And Jesus said to them, verse 16, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> In John's gospel, uh, Philip said, he told Philip, he said, go buy them something to eat. And he said this, testing him, knowing you know, what he was going to do. And uh, Philip said, where are we to buy food for this many people? Uh, we can't handle that. Think of it. 5,000 men plus women and children is a throng of people. And uh, he asked Philip to think about that. Here he says, you give them something to eat to the 12 and... Uh, he knows they can't. He knows their inadequacy. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Their, their inability, their finite resources, the Lord knew all about that. And he also knew what he was going to do. But he asked them, what do you have? And they said, well, we've got five loaves and two fish. And by the way, he uses what they do have, doesn't he? And that's principle, by the way, for us. Uh, he knows when he calls us to serve him, he knows what we have and what we don't have. <laughs> he knows how inadequate I am. But he also knows what he's going to do and how he will use what we have if we put it at his disposal. And I was, I've been reading the Bible, and I'm reading in several different places right now. And I just see this throughout the scripture, that when we start by recognizing we can't, God can use us. If we start thinking we can, we might be in a little more trouble. I mean, we get cut down to size pretty readily. But if you feel right now, oh, I could never, well, you can't. You and I don't have the capacity to do what God calls us to. But he lives within each of his children, each of those who put their faith in him. And so you watch this unfold. Uh, the principle that I would underline is uh, stated in 2 Corinthians 3.5, not that we are adequate in ourselves, but our adequacy comes from him. And that's a great place to live and minister. That's where Paul was. Paul, sometimes I've heard sermons about Paul. You know, he went to the right schools. He had the languages. He knew Hebrew. He knew Greek. He had this. He had that. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And Paul said of his own stuff like that, he said, that's rubbish. He said, I'm the least of the saints. And he knew that he wasn't adequate in himself, but his adequacy came from God. And later on, I was quoting 2 Corinthians 3. In 2 Corinthians 12, he said, you know, I, I asked the Lord to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. He had some sort of physical ailment that was not easy to deal with. And the Lord said, no, my weakness, your weakness, in your weakness, my strength will be displayed. And so Paul understood that principle. And I just share it with us today because... When we're weak, I think we learn more about his strength, and uh, you can see that throughout the scripture. Well, verse 18, he, uh, he, or verse 19, he ordered the multitude to recline on the grass after he took what they offered him, the five loaves and two fish. He ordered the multitudes to recline on the grass, and Mark's account tells us that they did so orderly. They reclined in groups of 150 and 
thousands of them so that it was not just chaos. They were in groups. And uh, he took the five loaves, verse 19, and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Looking up toward heaven, he blessed, and Mark, or John's account gives another detail, he gave thanks. And by the way, I, I just... I would just say, Jesus warned us not to, you know, pray on the street corners. <laughs> Put your spirituality on display in an ostentatious way. But at the same time, I see in the Bible Jesus praying publicly before a meal here and giving God the glory. And I see Paul in the, when he was shipwrecked in Acts 27, and he was among a bunch of sailors. <laughs> he publicly gave thanks before he ate. And Jesus does here, and uh, I think that's a good principle. Uh, it might open opportunities with your waiter or your waitress or the person you're with to just, not ostentatiously, but just to recognize he gives us each day our daily food, and we ought to give thanks for it. Well, he blessed the food, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and uh, they in turn gave it to the multitudes. Now, in just a moment, we're going to see that Jesus is after more than mere food when he does these things. And he says, you know, don't work for the food which perishes, but for that which endures to eternal life. And he said, we can't live on bread alone, but every word. And I see here a picture that I think is a good one. When God feeds you from his word, don't just eat up and finish, you know. As he's giving you bread, give it out. Give it out. The disciples did. And as long as they kept giving it out, apparently it kept multiplying. Uh, because he broke it, gave it to them. They gave it to the crowd. And uh, notice, they all ate, verse 20, and were satisfied. They didn't just nibble a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, they ate and were satisfied. And I got to think there were some teenage boys in the crowd. <laughs> you know, And there were some guys that hadn't eaten all day. And everybody was hungry, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And uh, the basket here isn't just a little lunchbox. They had these big baskets, and that's the term he uses. They picked up much more than they started with of leftovers, and by the way, Jesus is the one who told them in John's account again, uh, pick up the leftovers. And I would just say, God, who abundantly supplies, and you and I, we live in America, we've got so much. But the Lord would teach, even in this scene when he says, you know, I can provide unlimited. He doesn't, that doesn't breed waste. He said, pick up the leftovers. And I kind of like that. And uh, I think we who have so much, we ought to be careful to not just become to where we just burn it every which way uh, and try to be good stewards of what we have. Well, verse 21, there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from women and children. An amazing miracle. 
You got to figure at least 10,000, but I got to think even more. If there's 5,000 men and women and children, let's say 15, 20, it doesn't really matter, but lots of people ate, well over 5,000. And uh, I want to just underline a few thoughts. Our Lord cares. He didn't feel resentment when this crowd came after he was trying to get away and get a little bit of a retreat. No, he felt compassion. He knows where you're at. And you may think, oh, he's too busy. No, you can go right to him anytime and tell him your needs. He's compassionate and he acts on that compassion. He's able to and he does. Uh, he can and will meet your needs. He's promised to. He can and will meet my needs. Uh, and I repeat, I want to learn everything I can from this. And as I think about Jesus, he said, you can't live on bread alone, but rather every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There are people all through Portland, maybe you, who are trying to just live on bread alone. Your paycheck and the profits and the dividends and you know stuff you can buy with it and food, the best food, the best drink, the best stuff. We're not really designed to live that way. Uh, we're not merely animals. We're created for relationship with him. And you'll never be satisfied if you try to just satisfy yourself with this stuff down here. It's given for our blessing. Uh, God can provide and did in miraculous ways. Um, normally, he has us grow the crop and make the bread, and you know, but, but he can and will provide for us, but we're not made to live on that alone, but rather the very word of God, relationship with him. And I want you to turn to John 6, because I don't really have to speculate about what we should learn from this. Jesus, and this happens in John several times, Jesus, uh, this, this miracle is, is given for us, and then Jesus himself applies it. And I think, wow, I want to hear what he has to say. So after he fed them, they followed him again, and they, want, they, they got occupied, as people do, with miracles and with physical provision. And they were really looking for another meal. They kind of reduced this down to just, hey, a free meal, did you hear? And they, the crowd followed him. And he said, John 6, verse 27 I'll read verse 26 to give you the context. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal." They said, therefore, to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Well, they said, therefore, to him, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? I'm always shocked at this. He had just fed them. And they are still occupied with that. And what do you, how do you prove yourself to us? And they said, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. That is, as is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And they kind of point back to Moses feeding people miraculously for 40 years. And Jesus gently reminds them, that wasn't Moses. That was God. 
Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. And then he brings it back to not manna and not God's ability to meet our physical needs, but the true bread, and he's pointing like this at himself. The bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said, therefore, to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. This is the will of my Father." that everyone who beholds the Son and believes may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Jesus said, point blank, he did this miracle. He fed 5,000, maybe 20,000 people to teach us something. And if there's one thing we want to learn from it is that he is the real bread of life. And you can have eternal life by coming to him and believing in him. And if you know that, if you've come to him, I tell everyone in this room and I would tell everyone in the city of Portland, you will never be satisfied with other breads, if you will. We were not designed to just be satisfied with a good career or even a good family or a great marriage. These are blessings from God, but they're not meant to satisfy the deepest need of our life. We were designed for relationship with the Lord, and Jesus Christ came and laid his life down. He's going to go on in this chapter, John 6, and talk about his cross, that he actually died for us. His body was broken, his blood was shed so that we could have eternal life. And so as we kind of begin the new year, let me encourage you. Jesus Christ is the bread of life, and uh, he will satisfy. He does satisfy. And if he's given you food to eat, pass it on. Give it out to others. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, our adequacy is from Him, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Something we've been making available as a thank you gift for our listeners are USB flash drives loaded with Bible teaching series in their entirety. So currently, we're offering the entire teaching of the Gospel of Matthew. That's 109 full-length messages, over 50 hours of clear, Christ-centered Bible teaching on this important introductory book of the New Testament. We'd like to make these teachings available to you, our listeners. Just make your request, along with your gift of any size, to the ministry of Abide in the Word.
You can do that during regular business hours by calling 503-524-7000 or mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. You can simply click on Contact Us at AbideInTheWord.us anytime. We'd love to put one of these valuable resources in your hands. Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, Let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> and they said, it's a ghost. I, uh, I think I'd do what they did. They cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. I am. Do not be afraid. I know that my Bible says, it is I, you know, but it's ego a me. It's that phrase that he used when he said, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And he just said simply, take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. He is the great I am. And he hasn't abandoned you. He knows where you're at, and he says, don't be afraid. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, It is I, Do Not Be Afraid. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.